Welcome to All Are Welcome, an Evergreen Christian Church podcast. Today, we have a sermon for you. Please join us in listening. Sermon scripture for today comes from the letter to the churches in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. It reads as follows. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious creator, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know God better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of God's glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under God's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Happy Ascension Sunday. I think it was Wednesday marked the 40 days after Easter in which we celebrate Christ who dwelt among the disciples on earth after the resurrection, ascending into heaven. There's something very significant about Christ choosing to once again dwell amongst the disciples. In the Gospel of Matthew, the women see the empty tomb and they are instructed by an angel to inform the disciples that Jesus has risen. And as they gleefully yet fearfully left the tomb, they are met by Jesus himself, who then instructs them to tell the disciples to meet him in Galilee on a mountain. And there Jesus gives them the great commandment. He says, therefore, having gone, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. In the Gospel of Luke, the women go to the tomb, and they're told by figures in white that Jesus has risen, and they fearfully tell the disciples all they have seen. Now, the disciples think this is nonsense, except for Peter, who runs to the tomb and sees the burial cloths on the ground. So Jesus then, in a very interesting anecdote, Jesus appears on the road to Emmaus to two disciples who do not recognize him. And they tell Jesus the glory of what Jesus has done. So they tell Jesus about himself. And then they invite Jesus to stay with them and to share a meal together. And it's in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of hospitality that it's revealed to them that this whole time they've been speaking to Jesus. And then Jesus appears before the rest of the disciples and he instructs them 
And he shows them the proof of the resurrection, his pierced hands and feet, and he eats before them to show them that he is real. And he instructs them to stay in the city and to receive power from on high. He then blesses them, and in the middle of his blessing, he ascends to heaven. In the Gospel of John, Jesus does a little bit more. He appears before the disciples while Thomas is missing, and then he appears before Thomas and allows Thomas to touch his wounds. Jesus then appears again before the disciples and instructs them to cast their nets on the other side of their boats to receive another miracle catch. Then Jesus and Peter share breakfast, and Jesus instructs Peter to take care of my sheep. Then the Gospel of John says that Jesus proceeded to do many more things than could fit in these books. In most of the Gospels, the Gospel of Mark famously doesn't have mention of the resurrection, but in most of the Gospels, Jesus chooses to dwell amongst his followers one last time. He has already died. He has already resurrected. He's done everything in the prophecies, but Jesus decides to stay with his disciples again. Jesus chooses to share meals with his beloved followers, to give the doubters and the unsure the reassurance they need that he is real and he is risen. He instructs them to stay put, the power of the Holy Spirit will be upon you soon. The disciples, think how they must feel. The trauma and the fear and the anxiety and the doubt of watching Jesus be tried and killed. And they are told by women that the tomb is empty, so the body is gone, but it's not quite proof of the resurrection for them. And so the Lord appears before them again. They're given the assurance of the resurrection. They're given the proof they need to dwell in the mission and life of following Jesus, of making believers and baptizing people. The disciples are given all they need to start forming the church. And in this way, Jesus makes it known to the disciples that no matter how much absence might threatened to fill their hearts, no matter how terrified and grief-filled, no matter how it might seem like Jesus has died and gone away forever, the presence of Christ is still with them. Jesus is still among them. Jesus is liable to be the stranger on the road to Emmaus. Jesus is liable to pop up when the terrified and joyful women are fleeing the tomb. He's liable to come at any time, when the disciples are fishing and casting their nets, eating breakfast, just dwelling amongst each other, Jesus could be there. The Jesus they thought has died and disappeared is liable to show up at any time. And he not only reassures the disciples that his presence is among them, but also he imparts upon them the power and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Now I know many of my sermons lead and task us into the challenge of being better Christians or doing this or that, or I compel us to do better and love one another more fully or 
sympathize with those we don't understand, to see Jesus in the stranger, in the migrant, which we no doubt should do. But today, I try to model the encouragement of the letter writer of Ephesians. To listen to these words, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you. The riches of God's glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So take heart, my friends. Take heart that we may also reach that enlightenment. The enlightenment needed to see that God has called us to hope. Be assured that the presence of Christ is real and here among us. Even when it seems like Christ is missing or disappeared, Christ is liable to be the stranger on the road. Be assured, friends, that God calls us to hope and not to despair. That we may experience grief, much like the disciples did. That we may experience dark times and hardship and sorrow, much like the disciples did. But let us be reminded that Christ came back. That the resurrection is the answer to grief and despair and sorrow. Let us take heart because God answers death with resurrection. Sorrow with joy, anxiety with hope, and our fear of missing with Christ's presence. Hear again the words of the author of Ephesians. Listen to these words. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you. You may know the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The incomparably great power for us who believe, which the writer says is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at God's hand, is the power that has been invested into us. On this Ascension Sunday, we celebrate Jesus leaving the earth and ascending into heaven, what we call the end of the Easter season, but we do not celebrate Jesus leaving us because Jesus is liable to show up to us at any time. Jesus is liable to show up as a stranger on the road, to be present among those who share a meal together, and Jesus manifests in the love we share with one another. The body of Christ is amongst those who help build food storage solutions at the Mountain Resource Center, and it is also among those who go to the Resource Center because they need that food. Everywhere that justice is present, Christ is present. Anywhere that healing and fullness is present, Christ is present. And anywhere people are suffering, Christ is suffering. Because Christ has ascended to heaven, but Christ has not left us alone. He is present in every act of healing and resurrection that occurs among us. Christ is present, and we have been 
gifted those same powers of resurrection and healing. Christ has ascended, but Christ is not absent. He may not physically form a physical body here on earth, but Christ is present among us when we love one another. If we make Christ the center of our lives, and if we seek that divine image in every person, if we pray deeply, if we see every opportunity to make life better for one another as a means of honoring God and glorifying Christ, perhaps we will be enlightened. Perhaps the eyes of our heart will be enlightened to see the works of resurrection and healing all around us. To see that we have been using that gift of power, of resurrection and healing. Perhaps we will be enlightened to see that God has called us to hope and we are living into it. We will look around and see that the words of Matthew are true. That Christ is with us to the very end. Friends, Christ has ascended, but Christ is not absent. Amen.